we have a great guest as we always do. I mean, but listen, all these guests that came before on the show, they're nothing compared to this guest today. Uh, this is the um, Miguel. Sorry, what? How did you? I wrote this down. God damn it! One second. Founder and director. Jesus Christ! It's so easy. It's yeah. I, wrote, <laughs> I didn't even write it down. I, I, I found her. You better director. not cut this part out. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Welcome everybody to episode 21 of Ghost Party Radio, an in-depth and very serious exploration into the world of genre film hosted by two small-time cowards. I'm Trevor Dillon, and allow me to introduce my co-host, Borelize ass. It's Adam Cervantes Wagner. What's up, Adam? What is that even a pun of? A uh, Lorelize grasp. Do you understand? Uh, yeah. do, you, do, do you understand the the the, portman, the lazy portmanteau I put together of bore because uh, you're a bore and you're ass. such a smart dude, Trevor. I know, and you know what? You can tell I put a lot of thought and effort into that, just like we do with this show. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, you know what? Let's uh, get to it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as listeners of the show know, we cannot uh, be given any time to talk to each other at the top. But Adam, I do want to date the show and let you know that I have gotten my second shot of the COVID wow. vaccine. So when people are listening to this 50 years from now, they'll be like, what's COVID? Um, <laughs> and I will say that today, even though I got it like three days ago, um, I feel – excuse my language here, uh, Adam, sorry. But I feel a little crummy. Oh, yeah. Uh, did it hit you pretty hard initially? No. So that's the thing. It didn't hit me at all. So it's weird that like three days later. And again, I didn't like take any time off after I got it. So I was mm -hmm. just we we did these um, three packed screenings this weekend. We played Twilight Eclipse, cinema classic, uh, played Selena on what would have been Selena's 50th birthday. That was packed as well. I mean, these are 150 car events. And then Saturday night we did um, Alien and Aliens, uh, two creature features. Uh, and I just didn't take any time off. So the second, of course, I actually am not doing a screening, which was yesterday. I just kind of wasn't feeling great. And then today, of course, I feel terrible. But uh, this is funny, Adam. This is our 420 show. That's right. Uh, I mean, it'll come out on the 21st or not the 23rd. But uh, I know uh, I know you're celebrating tonight, Trevor. <laughs> I am. I am uh, hosting again another sold out screening of The Big Lebowski at the Drive-In. So um, oh, I think that this is a great, great title, not only for I don't know. I mean, it's it's like 420 adjacent because it's trippy, but also uh, this this movie made me feel better. I know you were scared about it, but let's, but let's stop talking about the movie. Uh, we haven't even uh, introduced our guest yet. But before we get to the guest, we do need to do the listener reviews. Adam, do we have any listener reviews? Uh, yeah, but before I get into that, big question, Trevor. Are you a Pfizer boy or a Moderna mommy? I'm a P Pfizer boy. What if I told you I was Johnson & Johnson? Would you freak out? Yeah, because you said you got your second shot. So. <laughs> yeah, and I said it I got it a few days ago, and it was recalled like last week. <laughs> uh, it probably would turn me into a monster. But yeah, I'm Pfizer. What about you? Uh, I'm a Pfizer boy also. It, the second shot hit me pretty darn hard. Um, but it passed after two days. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know if I'm out of the woods yet, but we're here. We're podcasting. We're we're just we're so brave, just essential workers. Mm -hmm. That's right. We're miles from each other, but still so brave. Let's hear what the listeners have to say about our show. You got it. This comes in from a user, listener, fan. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. We're not. I'm sorry. Not you. Not iTunes user, listener, and fan. Uh, I already ordered a pizza, um, with the uh, subject. Better than ear cancer, I suppose. Jesus. Yes. Uh, 
The body reads, haven't listened to this yet, but very hopeful it will be the cure for my insomnia. Five stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, listen, uh, it will. First of all, it definitely will be the cure for your insomnia. Um, I noticed that in the podcast store on iTunes, we're listed under the sleep section. I don't know why they put us there. <laughs> yeah, that is weird. Thanks a lot, Steve. <laughs> yeah. yeah. We still blame Steve Jobs for all this stuff. No, blame Tim Apple. <laughs> Today we have an amazing guest. Uh, please welcome the founder and director of an awesome film festival here in Southern California called the Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. It's Miguel Rodriguez. Welcome to the show, Miguel. Thank you. Thank you. I am uh, looking forward to being here, and I want to apologize in advance from for any noises that my daughter might intrude upon our conversation, like that one. <laughs> <laughs> All right, right on cue. Um, yeah, Miguel, thank you for, I, 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 of course, when we were doing creature features that we spin a wheel to figure out what genre we're going to talk about in any given season. And we're on season three now and it landed on creature feature. I was stoked because I know a lot of horror, how should I say, uh, personalities and, uh, you were, you were the first one that came up. Uh, of course, I just said the founder and director of, of an awesome, uh, horror film festival, genre film festival that leans towards horror and science fiction that uh, I went to as a filmmaker now, uh, I think three plus years ago, and I had an amazing time, and that's actually where we met. Um, so I, I've, I've always had a lot of amazing things to say about Horrible Imagining Film Festival, even before they started doing their festival out of the Frida Cinema, which I help run. Yeah, definitely. So you know that uh, we're spared any accusations of nepotism. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, and people do not believe me when I say that, too. I'm just like, uh, you should believe me because if you've been to Horrible Imaginings, you would know that when I went there as a filmmaker when it was in San Diego, I just had like this awesome time and you really uh, always put the emphasis on the filmmakers, the films themselves. And I've always been a big fan of how you treat short films in particular. Uh, you look at them. I, I've, you know, I've been on the circuit. Adam, Adam knows this. I'm a filmmaker of some note, and he refuses to to say that. But um, I've been on the f festival circuit with a couple of my shorts, and they just no other festivals treat shorts like your festival does. You really do um, put a, a, a good emphasis on them and treat the filmmakers as they should be as filmmakers, right? Uh, and I, I'll never forget. I think it was, oh, of course, it was two years ago. Um, there was a Sunday block that I watched at the theater uh, for the. I think it was the it was I think it was both it was the first block and the second block on a Sunday and it was like the best compilation of shorts I've ever seen like the shorts that you got were like incredible yeah we're very picky too with with what we put together why they fit together and what they're saying about not just the genre but in general and and we also try to mix up the tones so that there's a little bit of something for everybody and uh shorts I I think help us really meet our mission statement because we're exploring the genre we're exploring expressions of anxiety and fear and you can do a lot more with a collection of short films than you can with uh just one feature with you know not that's not to say anything bad about features but i do think shorts give more opportunity for interesting discussion than we tend to give them credit for yeah, absolutely, and you guys do a better job, like I said, uh, than anybody or any any festival that I've ever been to, and I've been to a bunch. So, uh, of course, you were the very very first name that I thought of when I thought of the creature feature genre, and I knew that you would bring on uh, a very interesting movie, and boy, you definitely delivered today. And like I said, I've been feeling pretty shitty the last couple of days, but this was, um, I don't know if it was a fever dream when I watched or what it was, but it really, I think it cured. I think it cured me. 
<laughs> well, a fever dream would help with aid in the viewing of this film. I, I also was a fi Pfizer boy, and shot number two fucking killed me. Ooh. So I, I get it. I feel your pain. Um, but yes, this is, you, when you asked me to do this, it, it's immediately very difficult because my library of creature features is extensive. And uh, there are several reasons I chose this one, which I'm sure we'll get into. Okay, well, uh, then there's the important but uh, maybe obvious answer already, Miguel. Uh, what is your favorite genre of film? My favorite genre or my favorite subgenre? <laughs> hmm. Yeah, we, we like to get very specific here. So it's like, I mean, I think, <laughs> I think one would assume your favorite genre is horror, whether that's correct or not. But I, I'm more interested in what your favorite subgenre is. Yeah, if we if we go in horror, I mean, my favorite subgenre really is creature feature. It really is monsters. I love monsters. Um, it, I mean, it goes back to my introduction. It, even choosing my favorite genre is hard because I just love cinema, and I can talk at length about cinema in general. But my introduction to loving cinema is horror, so that's why I tend to go there. And then my introduction to loving horror are monsters, so that's why I love to go there. And, and you have to understand, I've been watching these things since I was, like, before I could be able to speak. So, uh, and I'm doing the same kind of thing to my daughter, who's two, and... Uh, like I just rented a theater so my family could see Jaws. My wife had never seen it before, and my two-year-old was in there watching it with us and watched the entire thing. So it's funny because you hear a lot of people say, "Oh yeah, I first saw Jaws. It scared me, and I was way too young. I was like 11." I was like, hey, uh, "You have no idea." That that's awesome. I, I was actually going to bring that up because I had seen it on Instagram that you had rented out a theater to watch Jaws, which is of course my favorite movie. It's interesting you say like you grew up watching creature features and that was the, that was your first love that kind of led to I'm assuming horror, which then led to just like you said, um, film in general. You can talk about film for days, but where it starts, um, you know, I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but is with these you know creature features that you watched when you were young. We had a similar answer from Justina Bonilla last week where she grew up on the Universal Monster movies specifically. Um, and I think I'm the same way, and that's why I was so stoked when the wheel landed on Creature Features. And, like, when I look at, like, my top five movies of all time, like, four of them. I mean, the, the Thing is, like, a Creature Feature, right? King Kong, um, Jurassic Park could technically be a Creature Feature. So, you know, it's it's just a huge, huge um, genre for me. Adam, I know uh, you're, you're still kind of learning, and that's, and that's why you're here on this trip with us. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess uh, that... Leads me to my next question, Miguel, as sort of the uh, mentor here of Creature Feature. What would you say makes for uh, a great one? Uh, <laughs> that depends. So what makes for a great Creature Feature is what makes for a great anything, any kind of movie. And that is purpose and intention. Like, what what is the point that that is trying to get across? Like, is it just trying to be exploitation trash? And if so... Uh, then I want to see exploitation trash. Is it trying to be a metaphor for the environment or uh, you know human's bestial side or, or or whatever? You know, it just depends on how successful it is at what the point is. This is one of the reasons I really wanted to choose a film like the one we did today because when it comes to what is the purpose of this film, ooh. We could talk. <laughs> um, yeah. And and actually, Miguel, really quickly, um, I know she's only two, but what, does your daughter have a favorite uh, creature feature already? Oh, Godzilla. Yeah. Ooh. 
she, the OG she's one? always asking for Godzilla. She did. We went. To, we went to see Godzilla versus Kong in the theater. Actually, me and okay. my daughter, and she loved it. Um, but she uh, definitely asks for like the older Godzilla films, and she asks for Ultraman a lot. So we put on Ultraman, the show. Uh, she really likes those. Um, but honestly, she she watched the one we're talking about today. I don't know if I should admit this if if someone's going to call Child Protective Services on me, but she did watch the film that we're about to discuss with me, uh-huh. and uh, one of the things that she uttered was, "Oh." boobies hurt <laughs> yeah yeah we'll, we'll definitely get to that scene, since that... you brought up my daughter i i have to say that now i can always say that was one of her uh auditory reactions to a film i made her watch <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting because one of the uh the side effects for my second pfizer shot was boobies hurt i don't know is that something that you guys have heard of or <laughs> uh, my pfizer shot caused an irradiation of pain starting at the entry point of the shot all through my spine. Oh. So, yeah, it was rough. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think my window was closing. I, I, this bit that I did, did when I got my first shot as well, where I can just blame anything I'm feeling or anything I think on the shot. You know what I mean? Like, I'll just be yes. like, oh, I feel this way. Be- eh, must be my Pfizer shot. And it's just like <laughs> but, but that window is now closing where it's like, dude, your second shot was two weeks ago. You can't keep doing that. Um, well, yeah. Adam, well, from Adam, now on, uh, everything you think is going to be controlled by the shot. So yeah, that's true. Yeah. Every, now, when I yawn, it makes the uh, the Microsoft Windows sound. It's the five G. Yeah, that's <laughs> what it is. Um, uh, I check this out, Adam. I'm actually going to debut this mid series, but I have one more question for you, Miguel, before we get into this uh, movie. That again, we keep like building up, and we want to talk about, but. Um, creatures adam they like to eat so i'm gonna be asking the guest what is your favorite movie snack oh man uh that's a really really good one especially since as you know we do lots of film events and my programming partner beth accomando is just a maestro when it comes to pairing food with specialized food like goodies that she creates you know one of my favorites is we showed horror of dracula no it was brides of dracula i think one of the hammer horror films featuring vampires and she made bloody marys but from a medical supplier she ordered iv bags with the with the uh, tubes and we serve we gave out the bloody marys in iv bags and used the people used the tubes as like a straw so you know uh she is much better at coming up with imaginative food to go with films. Like I hate to say, like I would go with just popcorn, but honestly, when I watch a film, I love popcorn. But what makes it different is I like to put jalapeno slices in my popcorn. Oh yeah, that's a that is a class. See, I can totally get on board with that jalapenos in the popcorn. But uh, how do you feel about hot sauce? Because I see people put hot sauce on at, at the theater all the time, and I can't get with that. It kind of just gets a little too mushy in there. I don't know. That's the problem is it gets too soggy. Like I, if I – if you put the hot sauce in like early and just let it sit, then that's gross. But I can get with some hot sauce like immediately before you throw it in your mouth. I know a lot of uh, – in Mexico, like chamoy is pretty popular on popcorn, for example. Um, but no, I, I tend to just like uh, like jalapenos. That's, that's pretty much all I'll go with. 
Yeah, I'm a chamoy boy, but I, I don't think I would put it on my popcorn. I mean, chamoy and flaming hot Cheetos <laughs> is also very popular. So, Adam, I'll ask you the same question since you're a creature as well. What's your favorite movie snack? Ooh, uh, you know, I am partial to cr- Bunch of Crunch, which uh, the Frida has gotten mm-hmm. recently, which is nice. Oh, really? Uh, wow. That's a, that's a very specific one. I see a lot of people eating those. Uh, what are they called? Like caps or something? They're just chocolate. Yeah. yeah I was like, what, are the, what is that? Snow caps. They're good. They're good. I, I don't usually choose them. Tiffany likes hot tamales. Oh, yeah. That's great. Mm, yeah. Oh, yeah. I haven't had those in a while. Hot tamales. Ooh, hot tamales and some popcorn. All right. Listen, this is, not, this is not a food podcast. <laughs> Although there is food in this film. <laughs> yes, there is. Yes, there is. Everyone is food in a feature creature. Um, uh, Miguel, I, I usually go like I'll, I'll start to discuss the movie. I'll read some letterbox reviews. I'll give some context for what it is. But I, I feel like it'd be weird for me to do it on this show. You, you, this movie is so specific and I, I'd rather just kind of turn it over to the expert right now. Like, wh- why don't you tell the listeners what movie we're doing today? Uh, talk about the filmmaker. Cause again, we are going over this kind of pre-show. I don't know much about this filmmaker. I was looking at uh, his filmography on letterbox and noticing loud, like the amazing posters for all of the movies he made, which just seems like a lot of movies. Um, and I can't wait to hear more about it. So, I hate to do this. I know it's weird, Adam, but we're just going to let Miguel kind of take it from here and kind of give some context in the movie. I'm happy to do it. <laughs> well, I, I mean, I wish that the uh, auteur filmmaker Armando de Osorio uh, had more titles to his oeuvre. Uh, he, he, he directed about 20, which is a good number, you know, especially for around the time he was working, working with film in Europe uh, scrounging funds in in any way he could to make these films, which often required getting various countries to co-present. Uh, Spain, he's, he's from Spain, he's a Spanish filmmaker, but Spain, Italy, Germany, these were often co-presentations. What we have with the film we're going to talk about today is a co-presentation of Spain and Germany. Um, but he, so Armando de Asorio is best known for a series of films that he created, starting with Tombs of the Blind Dead, I've got, I've had in my collection for many, many years, a delicious coffin-shaped box set of the entire Blind Dead collection. Uh, so the Blind Dead are great. These are films about Knights Templar who uh, come back from the dead and, you know, essentially kill people who are partying or picnicking around these ruins where they were buried alive and what makes it interesting is Armando de Osorio he is a painter so he started life as a painter and a photographer so you can see like he's very big on composition and making the image interesting uh, much more so than the script the scripts are usually complete like nonsense um, but he's very uh, attuned to feeling and making an interesting uh, soundscape or an interesting image. Like, for example, in the Tombs of the Blind Dead films, he films these, first of all, zombies on horseback. Awesome. Um, but also the look of these risen Knights Templar is great. They have these shrouds and skull faces with beards and basically they have skeleton hands so they've got these creepy little skinny bone hands that come at you but they come after you on horseback and when they're on horseback 
he shot on a high frame rate so everything is in in this slow motion that is a little ethereal and uh osorio's explanation for that is the knights templar when they rise from the dead they are kind of living half and half between the earth bound sphere and purgatory so they reside on a different temporal kind of plane and so time moves differently for them and so he's got this crazy kind of explanation for the way he shoots them uh, that i just love and I, and I kind of fall in love with his films because he thinks about things like that and, and it would be surprising for anyone who discovers him with a film that we're going to talk about today which you know for anyone who's unfamiliar with films like this it probably just seems like exploitation trash, which a lot of it is, uh, and we'll talk about that. But uh, but there are things in here that I really, really love. Yeah, I, I'm with you. The first thing I noticed was the craft. And I don't mm -hmm. want to be the billionth person who says, boy, I love, how the, I love the way that movies looked in the 70s or whatever. You know, it's like, oh, like film, it looks so good. But like, the, like you mentioned, I'm glad you said that he really puts the emphasis on the framing. And the movie looks extremely good. Um, Adam, what did you think visually of it starting off just right up the top? Yeah, I loved it also. I liked the sort of um, loose nature of the camera, but everything that it would capture was beautiful and colorful. And you could tell this guy loved the countryside. Ooh, I'm so glad you brought that up. So Armando de Osorio was obsessed with the countryside. And his films, all of them, are basically travel logs with monsters. <laughs> That's <laughs> you know? amazing. Yeah. It's like, I'm going to go to the Rhine. Like this film it takes place in Germany. So I'm going to go to the Rhine and we're just going to showcase this lovely little quaint town. We're going to showcase these mountains. We're going to showcase this uh, boat uh, this boat trip between these two people and it has nothing at all to do with the film but we just want to see its location 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 and half the film is just showing off the location it's all these films are like that because they're they they're in these wonderful locations like all of the ruins in the t the tombs of the blind dead films are genuine crypts and ruins the crypts in this film are shot on location in real crypts so uh yeah he's making full full use of I mean, travel logs with creatures and monsters. I mean, that sounds I mean, again. I I I am going to get into this filmography for sure because that kind of gives you a hint of what I thought about this movie. I had a blast with it. I I, I truly did. And, and, and the establishing shots that you're talking about, you know, whether it's a boat on the river, whether it's a '70s bass guitar riff over the all girls school, it just everything like <laughs> looks so amazing. So many uh, crash zooms. And just, uh, again, craft is always going to be the first thing that draws me into a movie. Like, that, that, I'll just, not a, it's a really quick tangent. I saw uh, Ben Wheatley's In the Earth last night. And it is, mm. uh, it is nonsensical, purely. Like, a movie that does not make sense. The characters don't even pretend to, like, want to know what's going on. Uh, it seems like the writer-director doesn't either. But there's craft to it. So I stick around for the whole movie, you know what I mean? Whether I walk out and I go, that was nonsense. Uh, at least I can be like, it was well made, there was a nice score to it. Um, you could write this movie off very easily as like, oh, it's just kind of nonsense. I don't know. Like, I I, I, I liked it. I, I, I thought that the creature design was fun. I thought the gore was intense. I do struggle sometimes with movies like this that are like half like fun 70s kind of like you were saying, exploitation trash. And then, and then there's like every once in a while a pretty brutal mean-spirited murder you know what i mean for yeah. some reason i kind of struggled but i didn't struggle too badly with this one 
Um, Adam, how did how did you feel about kind of the 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 goofy nature of this movie against like a moment where uh, you know many women are brutally murdered? Uh, well, the goofy side I really liked. I like the uh, the sort of tone that they were going for because I think uh, it seems like you know Armando knew what he wanted, and that was just like style. And uh, I was completely into that. I also like that when the women get murdered, it's sort of progressively more and more gory. Like we get to see more into chest cavities as the movie goes on. Right. We get a lot of insert shots of um, Lorelai taking the um, the organs, right? Like, with, mm-hmm. like, and, and it, I was like, are they recycling these insert shots? And then I'm like, no, because she would take out different uh, organs, not each time, but every once in a while you would see her take out a different organ. There are um, two different shots, and I, I guess I, we haven't said the title of the film yet. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, sorry. I, I, I was. It's because it'll say uh, on the podcast, The Lorelai's Grasp with Miguel Rodriguez, but yes. Uh, yeah, give it, give, give it some juge, Miguel. Well, so it's funny, because this film was released in the States very, very briefly, and uh, one of the things I liked about this film is the original title is Las Garras de Lorelei, you know, it, that the, the grasp of Lorelei, right? Or the Lorelei's grasp. Um, and when it came to the States, I, you know, that's just not an American title, you know, like, does that sound like a horror film to you? The Lorelei's grasp, right? So um, it was in the seventies when the very popular films were films like um, the Amicus, uh, uh, like, Tales from the Crypt, and uh, and then so one very popular anthology film was um, a film called And Then the Screaming Starts, and so this film, <laughs> in a very producer like fashion, was called When the Screaming Stops, <laughs> which is like the worst title ever. But uh, you know, I still prefer that to titles we get these days, which are just like Let's open Roger's thesaurus oh insidious yeah that sounds like a cool title how about oculus okay how about sinister okay <laughs> that's what we get now uh but uh but yeah so in the u.s it was released as when the screaming stops it was kind of just a grindhouse throwaway that nobody really talked about ever um and uh it was supposed to get a release in germany because it takes place in germany it's based very loosely on a german uh uh folk monster we'll talk about that too but uh it didn't actually get officially released in germany until 2014 so uh yeah there's a long and storied very difficult history of this film actually having eyes on it outside of the uk or spain and the uk it was very limited too it got an x rating so uh, mostly spain and italy is where this film saw an audience that that's that seems to add up very very well when i'm watching the movie um <laughs> yeah. yeah it's uh it's fairly gory for sure um mm-hmm. it feels very 70s euro horror type you know um but i what what we like or what i like certainly in a creature feature is lore and i love that it had like the german legend lore behind it you know mm-hmm. on the rhine river um i have a question a general question for both of you so I think when I'm watching the movie, what I what I start to see is two camps of people who are going to watch this movie. I always think, like, what if I were to program this, right, at 10 p.m. Uh, as some sort of event cinema? You're going to have half the people who are going to think it's unintentionally hilarious, and then you're going to have the other half where we're looking at it uh, for what I think it is and basically, like, kind of 
uh, you know, Miguel, you're, you're so versed in this stuff. So I'm going to say that it seems to me like it's an overlooked film because I've never heard of it. So if I've never heard of it, then the layman who generally likes horror has never heard of this film. I look at it as like an overlooked, actually very good horror movie from the 70s. Uh, what side did you fall on, Adam? Did you have more fun with it? Did you, th- did you think it was unintentionally funny? Uh, or did you did you generally look at it as kind of a straightforward horror movie? Um, well, you know, I think we neglected to mention uh, that it, this is more than just creature feature. It's uh, fantasy, but specifically male fantasy. And I, I did have fun with that sort of indulging in it, you know, really going to town uh, on that side of things. You know, I, I, I agree with that, but at the same time, I did have this moment in the beginning because the first shot we get of, a, of uh, the woman who gets murdered on, I believe, the night before her wedding, um, we see her putting on a dress, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be some like sleazy <laughs> 70s thing. But it actually didn't fully go there. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, we, we established there's like this all girls school, and then we have a. Uh, Let, yeah. Let's back up for a second because uh, there are a couple of things you're, you're going to that uh, are direct reasons I wanted to choose this film. Sure, sure, sure. <laughs> so, there are a lot of things I wanted to uh, talk about with this film to give attention to. The first was Amando de Osorio. I think we, we talked about him quite a lot right the second was was the hunter you bring up uh segwell so um he's played by a very popular actor from that time mm-hmm. so but, but but before we even talk about him i think the star of this film speaking of the male gaze because i knew we were going to bring up the male gaze because this film definitely has that in spades but the star of this film has to be so the actor is tony kendall and it has to be tony kendall's uh, quickly like rotating collection of super tight ball hugging pants like <laughs> you know the pants like David Bowie wears in Labyrinth only done decades you know a decade earlier it's like his pants in this film I can't get my eyes off of his crotch like clearly uh, this his uh, package is showcased very with it, with very much intention and purpose, mm-hmm. even more than like the, uh, the 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 bevy of of beautiful attractive young ladies at the this boarding school. Which another interesting thing about this film is their teacher, played by Silvia Tortosa, uh, Elki Ackerman. Yeah, it looks younger than any of them. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah. I noticed that too. I was like, what is this like Bond girl doing as the teacher of this all girls school? <laughs> so I do think uh, that there's a lot in this film that Amando Osorio is just fooling around and having fun. So anybody who does watch this fun for a lark and a laugh, they're, they're completely doing it the right way. I don't like, I don't think it's supposed to be, he was, thinking he was making a work of art like we won't have a claudio fragasso moment of of troll 2 uh where you know he was really uh, but on the other end he wasn't doing like a uh a psycho gorman kind of purposely campy thing either right this really does like where does it fit because he's not trying to do camp, but he is trying to be entertaining. So it's a little bit of both. Yeah, that's what that's where I think I landed was that like if I played it for an audience, I think everyone could have a good time just kind of taking it as both. I think I think that's why I like the movie so much is because 
I think my mindset when I go out, try to make something or even when I go to watch something is like, boy, I just hope this is entertaining and people have a, a good time with it. And I certainly did with this movie. I mean, mission accomplished completely. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know what, this is probably going to be the only movie in our Creature Feature series where the hero makes out with the monster. <laughs> well, you're supposed to feel sad by the end, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, you know, here's what's really important, right? Uh, of all of the actors in this film, a lot of them you'll see pop up in cinema, and some in very, very small roles, like the guy who plays Lorelai's, like, scarred beefcake assistant has been shown he's shown up in things like conan the barbarian and stuff like that but uh but the big stars are actually tony kendall who plays sigurd the hunter and helga lina who plays lorelei herself the monster Mm -hmm. and uh in the u.s you know you wouldn't say big stars uh but you know for anyone who likes euro films uh, there was a huge series of kind of james bond ripoff movies from Germany based on a German book series called Commissar X. Uh, I don't know if either of you have heard of those. I've got the box set right here. That's why I was wondering if uh, if we had a video version of this. <laughs> but he, for seven out of those films, there were quite a few of them, um, he was Commissar X. He's, he was the lead kind of spy, super spy. Hmm. Um, and, and so, you know, he would have been a very familiar face when this film came out as... The legendary Commissar X. He was in a lot of other stuff too. Helga Line showed up in a lot of other films too, uh, from Italy and also Germany. So uh, in Germany, there was a collection of films, and in Italy, mo- so there was a big comic book boom in Italy of super criminals. The best known is Diabolic from the film Danger Diabolic, uh, as well as the comics. A ripoff of Diabolic was a character named Criminal. Have, have either of you heard of Criminal? Nope. No Commissar yeah. X or Criminal, no. Oh, gosh, you guys. I, I, I can't wait to do a whole round of these movies. <laughs> I, I'm obsessed with, like, all of this. But um, the legendary uh, schlock Italian horror director Umberto Lenzi mm-hmm. directed one of the first Criminal films. Uh, and the lead woman in it is Helga Line, who plays the monster in this film. And she was in a bunch of these criminal films, uh, including Il Maggior did Criminal, uh, and Glenn Saxon is in all these. So um, I really wanted to showcase both Tony Kendall and Helga Lina because, you know, of all the kind of side character characters in this film, they're all just kind of eye candy. But Tony Kendall and Helga Lina actually give you something to kind of bite into <laughs> when it comes to their their performances. Yeah, I thought uh, Tony Kendall was very good in this film. Uh, magnetic, um, completely, and maybe for the reasons that you stated earlier with the pants. But I could also tell that he was somewhat of a star uh, based on just the uh, opening credits. Like the way that his name is presented as being like the star of the film. And I don't remember if uh, Helga Line was also on that same card with him. But uh, she may have been. So I think that they really were pushing that these are the two stars of this film. Like the, this is why you're coming out to watch these movies. They were the merchandise. Like they were the the way that uh, Osorio tried to get tickets sold was, and I do believe that El Galine was uh, was also in the top billing with with Tony Kendall. Uh, so yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, Tony Kendall looks like a Disney Prince Charming. 
Like, you know, it's absurd. It's a little bit ridiculous. Tony Kendall looks like my co-host of this show, Adam Cervantes Wagner. Uh, All right, I need to see a picture of Adam now. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, everybody needs to see a picture of Adam. Adam, yeah. how tight are your pants? Um, I am currently not wearing any, so. <laughs> <laughs> In true COVID fashion. <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, yeah, um, I got thrown. Th- I'm so- I literally just got thrown through social loop thinking about Adam's pants. Sorry. Yeah, it's um, okay. I have that effect. <laughs> Sorry. What were we talking about before? How how good looking Tony Kendall and my co-host were. That's what we were talking about. How good looking. Oh that right. That, that that's literally what we were talking about. That was the topic. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just didn't want to like gloss over the the magnetism of Tony Kendall by just mm-hmm. calling him the hunter. Like. He he is the Tom Cruise of this movie, <laughs> I, and, and that's such a cool name. Like Sigur, the is it Sigur like a Cigarrios, like the band? Yeah, um, that's it. Cigarrios, yeah. Sigur with a D at the end. Uh, but Tiffany kept thinking his name was Seymour, like from uh, <laughs> Little Shop uh, of Horrors. Little Shop of Horrors, yeah. <laughs> Which may or may not be on this series that we're doing right now, the Ooh, Creature Feature excellent. series. Oh. Yes, so, a good tease there. Um, Adam, General, uh, uh, sorry, Miguel. Was, uh, eventually, we're going to get to rating this movie here in the next few uh, five minutes or so. Was was there any uh, major bullet points you wanted to hit? I know we kind of glossed over it earlier, but this movie did have a scene where a woman literally gets her boob ripped off by the creature, which I, I had never seen. Yeah. Well, okay. Well, then you need to see Burial Ground, but that's <laughs> that's a different conversation. I can I can lead you to a number of boob ripping movie scenes, but. Uh, it, <laughs> I knew, I knew you were going to say that. I knew I was going to say I had never seen that in a movie, and you were going to be like, well, let me send you a, like five or six Blu-rays. Yeah, have you seen Make Them Die Slowly? All right, well, well that, <laughs> let, let's not get too caught up in the boob ripping. But that, that did get a verbal uh, reaction from my two-year-old, which maybe you'll cut this if you think it'll get me in trouble with the cops. But um, So, you know, you, you sent me some questions that are, are very interesting, and the one that I kind of wanted to focus on for these bullet points is about the genre of cinema. What did I like? What do I like about this film? This is one of those films uh, that it looks like some. Did you ever read Lock and Key by Joe Hill and Gabriel Ramirez, the, the graphic novel? No. Uh, no. Yeah, we're, we're drawing blanks big time on our on our uh, cultured stuff here. Oh, okay. Well, in this graphic novel, it's it deals with a series of magic keys that if you put them in locks, crazy things happen. And one of the keys is the head key, where if the the lock is actually in the back of your neck, and if you put the key in the back of your neck and turn it, like your head opens up and you can literally see like your thoughts and dreams and hopes and everything that makes you you on display inside your head um and so that's like this is a movie that's like that for me this movie is like a head key for miguel it it, it's just an everything including the kitchen sink like smorgasbord of crazy shit you know like so let's let's take the monster right this is a creature feature talk we'll talk about the lorelei which is Essentially, it's a German-based folk monster, very much based on the ancient Greek sirens myth uh, of of mermaids that sing lovely songs and lure sailors to their death by crashing their ships on the rocks. Right. Um, obviously, n- very little like that happens in this film. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> you do have like this lovely kind of uh, uh, enigmatic song that happens every time Lorelai shows up in human form. 
uh, and that's the only kind of nod to it. Other than that, so I could just picture Armando de Osorio breaking out the the notebook and saying, "Okay, here's let's take this 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 myth, but we've got to do something interesting with it. So let's take this mermaid, combine her with a werewolf, and uh, and also we've got to have a mad scientist with all of the like universal horror like science crazy beakers and." Mm-hmm. <laughs> and chemicals for no reason and a, a radiation knife instead of a silver bullet and let's throw in we need to have uh villagers with complete with pitchforks and torches and it's just like everything and we need to make it a love story like the little mermaid <laughs> it's just like everything is in this thing like it does not know what kind of movie it wants to be and i don't know how much of that like you said it's impossible to tell how much of it is just script incompetence or not caring or focusing only on style. And I don't care because it, there's never a moment within the context of watching the film where it feels like it's making fun of itself. If you're willing to just like, okay, I'll just take this at face value and enjoy myself then it uh, within the context of the film, everybody takes it seriously. All the actors are selling it. All of the shots are selling it. It's just insane. Like, everything about this film is insane, and I love it for that reason. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it checks all the boxes. This is completely perfect. You know what it reminded me of is um, it, it, the only recent thing that I could think of is that um, Polish movie that came out like five years ago, the the lure. Um, Love that, that film. Yeah, it's like yeah. a horror musical where you're like, it knows what it wants to be, but like, yeah, this movie. Uh, the key is that everyone plays it straight. The movie looks great, like I said, it has craft, but there's a, a cloaked lizard monster, like you said, that's also sort of like a werewolf because of the the moon thing, that like gruesomely slashes uh these girls who were just so happy to be at an all girls school. Um, there's like you mentioned, Tony Kendall, uh, who plays a hunter. Uh, I, I, yeah, it just, it hits everything. I think that's why I liked it so much is that as it kept going, it kept getting weirder and weirder and keeping my attention by the time we were in the underwater lair, which kind of was reminiscent of, um, when he gets out of the water, I was like, this is like the movie we watched last week, Creature from the Black Lagoon. And yeah, that's a straight up Creature from the Black Lagoon. <laughs> and, and not to mention the the rubber lizard hand that's used a lot, right. um, which I thought were the best parts of Creature from the Black Lagoon. By the way, Miguel, I've seen that. I've seen Creature before. I, I was, of course, was revisiting. It, we, we actually talked about Horrible Imaginings last week on the show because of the awesome screening you had with uh, Mallory O'Mara. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, this had um, again great handwork, Adam. I kept saying that last week. Um, but anytime they didn't want to show the full monster, of course, you just show the rubber lizard hand. <laughs> right, and that's the uh, that's the introduction we get to this monster as well as creature from the Black Lagoon. It's almost uh, an identical shot. You know what's interesting about that, Adam, is is uh, is what I think that Osorio is playing with in this movie is is with the hand is actually not Creature from the Black Lagoon hmm. but at the time this movie came out what was very popular were the Gialli films from Italy mm. and basically what you have with this reptilian kind of chameleon lizard monster thing in Lorelei's Grasp is, is a Giallo which uh, if you watch lots of these films essentially with the Gialli uh, you have first person murder scenes with just a black gloved black hand gloves, yeah. and uh, and that's what this is you know and I love that the cloak 
is basically like we can only afford to create a suit for the hands and the head and, and then we'll just cover the rest with this black cloak but the black cloak makes it so much better like i want an action figure of the lorelei with the black cloak and the reptilian hands and that crazy huge head you know it looks awesome mm. Uh, guys, I, I love this movie. <laughs> the more we talk about it, the more... You know what genre I'm a little always hesitant to talk about is Giallo and Giallo's films. Is like... Because I don't know the tropes. I can't wait till the wheel lands on Giallo. But doesn't, like, Liz, cloaked lizard mo- werewolf monster... Th- that sounds like a Giallo movie to me. Like, a really long title like that. Um, so you, lizard in a woman's skin. Right, right, uh, right, right. right. Your vice is a clo- locked door, and only I have the key, which is one of my favorite titles of all time. <laughs> yeah, the, what is it? The, the, it's like the 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 red, the red lady kills seven times. Or... Yeah, the the red queen kills seven times. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I was I was thinking like, is this movie kind of jolly a little bit because I, I had the Italian influences and stuff like mm-hmm. that? But I, I just feel so. I can't speak on that because I don't know what the tropes are fully. Like I've only seen the Argento stuff and blah blah blah. But we'll get to it one day, Adam. I promise. If you just took, like, Lizard Monster and replaced with Gloved Killer with a knife, this would be a giallo. That's, it would be a giallo. That's yeah. what I was thinking. Yeah, uh-huh. that, that's another reason why I love it is it, it feels like it could. it's a creature feature, but it's like a creature feature giallo, which is so, like, so, so cool. Yeah, yeah. It's a lot of fun. I really like it, too. And, and what you said before about it being overlooked, 100%. Like, this okay, film good. is super overlooked. I mean, again, uh, Amando de Osorio is best known for the Blind Dead films. E- even the people who are familiar with him uh, only really know those Blind Dead films. I was really happy. There's an insane film he made, uh, unlike, I guess, his other films, called Demon Witch Child, which is essentially a ripoff of The Exorcist, of course. But uh, they showed it at the um, the New Bev's... Uh, all, all like more marathon they do for Halloween. The last one I was able to go to, uh, one of the late night ones was Demon Witch Child, and that was like a magical experience for me. <laughs> okay, are we are we ready, Adam? Are we ready to move on to doing our categories and rating this movie? Of course, we'll just continue talking about it as we do it. But uh, Miguel, the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask you five questions. Uh, we're going to each go. You'll go first because we always let the guests go first. Uh, and then Adam goes second, and then I go third, and then uh, people accuse me of just putting a number in between Adam and the guest because I don't actually have my own opinions. But uh, this is five categories that we thought of that basically summarize the creature feature as best uh, defined by Wikipedia. So if your movie doesn't fit into this too well, don't worry. Neither did 1954's Creature from the Black Lagoon. So uh, <laughs> let's get started. Number one, how cool is the monster's origin in Lorelei's Grasp? So how cool is the monster? Honestly, um, it's it's a were-lizard. And it's a were-lizard who is like the quintessential European beauty of the time, uh, played by Helga Line. So as far as I'm concerned, coolness of the monster is a 10. Uh, and the reason I'm going to go that high... Let me let me give you a little, a little justification here. So... Um, Trevor, I've invited you on Clubhouse. I don't see you on it very much. Hi, Scarlett. You found some flowers? Yeah. Sorry, I'm getting distracted by my daughter's bringing me flowers, which I have uh-huh. to I have to address. Um, okay, so here's something that can happen on Clubhouse, Trevor. Uh, one night, it was almost midnight, and I get a bink on Clubhouse, a notification, 
and the title of the room is Hey Miguel, Are You Around? Which is weird, <laughs> right? And I was like, they can't possibly mean me. It turned out, yes, they were asking to see if I was on. And so I go on to the room. The only pe- There's only two other people in the room. It's uh, this one person I met named Ivy who lives in Hong Kong, and yeah. I guess she was bored. Uh, and the time difference was she just wanted to talk. We had talked about monster movies before, and she wanted to talk about it. But the other person in the room, Trevor, was Barbara Crampton. Oh, cool. Very cool. <laughs> So it was cool because I've talked to Barbara before, but by far this was the longest I actually just sat and had a phone conversation with Barbara Crampton. And one of the things we got on is she's like, did you see Jacob's Wife yet? I haven't seen it yet. People are going crazy about it on my letterbox and Twitter. Well, so one of uh, Barbara Crampton's hopes for this film is she wants uh, a woman iconic boogeyman monster, kind of like Freddy and Jason and blah, 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 right? So in my head when we were having this conversation, I didn't really say this out loud. I was like, well, what about audition? And what about, you know, there are these wonderful women monsters. Right. And, uh, but so I have the, all of these NECA figures because I'm an obsessive with collecting stupid shit. And I line them up on our dresser. And uh, I've got a billion Godzillas and I've got all, and I've got Pumpkinhead and I've got Predator and I've got Alien and all these and of all of them Jason Freddy uh, the, 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 the minor from My Bloody Valentine I've got a ton of them there's only one that I have right now that's a woman and that's uh, Angela from Night of the Demons and I was like huh you know what Barbara Crampton's absolutely 100% correct so in the in the spirit of Barbara I will dedicate this to her I'm gonna give Lorelai a 10 because A, I do think she's super cool. B, I think NECA should have a Lorelei action figure complete with the the cloak, the cloak and the cape. And C, uh, she uh, it's a werewolf lizard lady. <laughs> it's a were lizard. It's pretty badass. That rips your heart out of your still you're still beating heart out of your chest as you're screaming. <laughs> so I mean, all of these things make it a ten for me. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I think I'm gonna have to uh, agree that. It- it is pretty sweet idea. I like the, the uh, you know, my last name is Wagner, so I like the German inspiration there. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> um, a lot of, lot of mention of the, uh, the Nebelong. Yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. And, which I thought was a cool reference. Um, ooh, I think overall, I, I, I'm going to give it an eight. Nice. Uh, I, I'm, I'm with you, Adam. I, I also am giving it an eight. Um, Adam can see on the Google Sheets that we're doing what my number is that goes down. So I think he just saw my number eight that I wrote and he just copied it. But, How dare you? Uh, <laughs> I, I, I'm with you that I, I think that this is a very, very cool. Like this is already outscoring Creature from the Black of Gloom. But like maybe it should. You know what I mean? Like we the, the, like I mentioned earlier, the German lore is there. It's established a lizard wear creature. How, how, how can it be beat? Miguel, number two is how dumb – by the way, this is a very controversial Adam category here, but how dumb slash silly are the human characters in this creature feature? I mean, I got to say, I was team Lorelai all the way. Like, there's that scene where she's trying to hypnotize uh, Sigurd into, you know, joining her in immortality. And I'm like, dude, what's wrong with you? <laughs> and uh, have you you've seen Spring, right? Yeah, the uh, Benson Moorhead movie. Yeah, the Benson Moorhead movie. You yeah. know, like my problem with that film that bugs me to hell is that 
this wonderful monster renounces her immortality for this dumbass dude and it's like fuck that and th this is a this is a uh, reversal of that it's like dude fuck humanity <laughs> this woman's offering you immortality with these crazy awesome wrestler women we haven't even talked about the cat fighting wrestler women in, in the cave you know, yeah that was cave. quite a reveal towards the end i was like what else does this movie have for me oh okay cool <laughs> you know it was like what are you doing Sigurd? <laughs> you're making just the worst decisions so yeah screw the humans monsters all the way these these humans are dumb well, uh, if you had to quantify that with a one through ten, what would you give it? Oh yeah, sorry. Um, you know, I, I, I will give the pro I will give it a five okay. for the professor creating a radiation knife. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Adam, I I'll hop ahead here. Actually, I know it's, a, uh, but I, I'm giving it a six. I, I'm very close there. Where it's like mm -hmm. they're not quite dumb, silly enough, but they have definitely made some dumb decisions throughout the movie. So six. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're not that stupid. I, I wouldn't say they're especially smart. Um, but I do think the silly factor is extreme here. I like that uh, the girls are just going nuts. They see this handsome hunter dude, and like that's all they care about. Um, and, the, and then there's that great scene when they're all in the windows, like saying goodnight to him, and he's winking and waving and doing his thing. Um, and their 16-year-old Bond girl teacher <laughs> is like the uber prude. <laughs> yeah. yeah, which, uh, of course, is a great arc to watch. Um, I'm going to give it a seven seven oh wow adam wow. going higher than us this is very nice. rare miguel he usually is the one who goes very low um yeah it's definitely like a, a like a i always thought I, the movie would go in like the like what is it the phrase fox in the hen house where it's like it reminded me a lot of on her majesty's secret service the movie with uh lazenby mm -hmm. where that's it reminded me a lot of that and not because tony um was it kebble kebble cabal sorry oh oh tony kendall the, the actor kendall, in yeah. this film yeah and uh, yeah, and it's not because Tony Kendall kind of looked like Lazenby to me a little bit, but but I think uh, you do not like ladies, Hilly. <laughs> yeah, I thought that's where the movie was gonna go for like a while, <laughs> and it kind of like barely just kind of touches on it because it feels like it has to. But especially with those pants. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I gotta uh, say, every time I see this film, Trevor, I think of Honor, Majesty's Secret Service. So you're not alone. Okay, cool, very good. Yeah, yeah I definitely got vibes there. Great Bond movie, by the way. But you um, know that uh, that the movie that Bond sleeps with the most women is uh, from Russia with Love. Yep. Wow, that's that's a very fun fact. We uh, another fun fact out of the 130 drive-ins I've done, the double feature of Goldfinger and from uh, from Usher with Love the week after Sean Connery passed away was the mm. lowest attended we've had. What? That's criminal because those are two of the best Bond movies. Like, I actually think my favorite is From Russia with Love, mm -hmm. uh, with a very close second being Honor Majesty's Secret Service. And if Honor Majesty's had had Sean Connery. It would have been easily number one. Yeah, but uh, but you do have Robert Shaw. Yes, absolutely. And much with love. So yeah, I, that one I could not wrap my head around. But then I realized it was like the week of the election, so like duh, like you know. But like oh, I'm fuck. not. Yeah, that's that's right. what it was. Is that people were just like not wanting to do anything because they couldn't breathe. All right. It's uh, also Donald Trump's fault. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, category number three. How sympathetic is the monster in this film? This is a hard one because it's like. Hmm. How sympathetic is she supposed to be? Mm -hmm. Because I think the, the script is very confused about this, mm -hmm. uh, and and we are confused as well because she gets like the heroic Valhalla. Like, I mean, we're spoiling the fuck out of this, but yeah. she gets the heroic Valhalla, like Queen Valeria from Conan the Barbarian ending, right? And 
and the love story between her and Sigurd is not developed at all. So when it gets to the point where clearly the script is supposed to be that he is in anguish because he has to go against his every whim to complete this task, even though he's desperately in love with Lorelai. I mean, we really feel none of it because, like, uh, because there was given no time for that to kind of marinate. So uh, it's all just told. And that's kind of the least successful part of this film is is the script and, and getting, you know, getting that across. Right. So I think she's supposed to be very sympathetic, um, but ultimately, you know, she is just going to innocent girls and ripping their hearts out. And there are a couple of those girls that I felt sorry for. And uh, and I think her biggest crime, based on a character actually having, you know, human characters, mm-hmm. is the, uh, the blind... Um, musician right you know he, he was a very sympathetic character he knew about the history of the monster and uh and he he had you know he was a just a poor talented musician he, he's probably my favorite character to so to see him get his chest ripped open and his heart pulled out while he was still screaming was was pretty rough so and, and I'm so go early with too they, they and, really killed him off early yeah yeah shocking yeah so i'm gonna give her a four on the sympathy scale nice yeah i think uh i I, you know she's very unapologetic in what she's doing and so it is does make it hard um by the way did you guys get i'm sure you guys got jaws vibes from the musician when in his introduction right oh yeah absolutely um, and there's no way that was a mistake. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, oh, oh! You mean the way that the character was introduced? Yeah. Yes. You know yes. what though? The now that I think of it though, this film is two years before Jaws. Right, right, right. So yeah, interesting. that that's interesting. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, like you said, and then also, uh, you know, another sympathetic kill is the uh, the soon to be husband character who, who whose mm-hmm. wife got killed, and then he pretty quickly gets killed too i thought he was going to play a much bigger part in this film <laughs> yeah no it's just random killings um, he's the one they actually built a rib cage for too <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so i think i think i'll probably put it at around four also because it is hard to feel bad for her it, it, i think she's having a pretty good time when she's doing well this. also you know we can't forget so our our mad scientist character which is so from left field but We've got the mad scientist character, and he's dispatched in a brutal way mm-hmm. while she is still in human form. You know, she's in human form. She has her lackey whip him to death with a bullwhip before he, like, melts his own face with whatever the fuck was in that beaker. And she's standing there burning all his notes as he's begging her, and she just, there's zero emotion on her face. <laughs> like, none. And I love the actor for this, Helga Lina. I I think she deserves a lot of kudos for her performance because she pulls off a lot of crazy stuff in this movie. Mm-hmm. And that scene is one of them because she manages to just look cold as ice. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I like the, I really like the idea of this scene, especially just because, um, uh, you know, we, we watched uh, Creature from the Black Lagoon, which also had sort of a scientific angle, which this one kind of touches on with the with the scientists there. But at no point does like the creature it, it, from the Black Lagoon in that movie go to like the laboratory and start burning all of their research papers. <laughs> yeah, that was an interesting angle, right? Like when they showed up and found him dead, it was like it wasn't even like the quote unquote creature that killed him. It was just them rolling in there and like burning everything and killing him. Right. 
Yeah, too bad they didn't know about that radiation knife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, by the way, you were talking about how um, she looks so icy uh, in certain parts of the movie and how that's a, a good you know mark of the performance. It reminded me a lot, and this is total compliment to Anna Biller, uh, The Love Witch. Uh, mm-hmm. The movie visually looks like The Love Witch. Of course it does, but um uh, it reminded me of, of uh, that performance in that movie of how like kind of icy and i guess witchy there's no there's no points given away for how witchy this movie is unfortunately but um i'm gonna give it a three some of these categories are definitely not built <laughs> for movies like this so i, I didn't yes. find the character to be very sympathetic at all um category number four uh, how strong of a metaphor is the monster is the monster in this film a metaphor for anything I think not. <laughs> I think the <laughs> metaphor. I don't. I. I genuinely don't think that was on uh, Osorio's mind at all. Right. The only thing is, like, how can we take a mermaid monster and make it more commercial? Oh, let's make it a werewolf, right? Mermaid monster, and that that's basically it. And also, let's set it in Germany because we want their money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm with I'm with I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a two because it just this does not fit the category and imagine me scrambling watching the movie whole the whole time trying to figure out what the metaphor was. Well, I think I, I think I feel confident in giving it a very happy zero. Okay, um, <laughs> but that's fair. That's I, fair. I think uh, the metaphor is boobies hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I did like that. I mean, I was trying to like as I was watching it, I was racking my brain preparing for this question, being like, "Ooh, is this like something like?" a metaphor for lust or infidelity or something like that and it's just that's where i was too that's where i was too in the end of the movie i was like nope yeah yeah exactly it's just it is just literally a a shopping list of exploitation tropes Mm -hmm. so yeah i I would you know i would not be averse to giving that a zero as well (laughs) (laughs) okay it's fair you know this this uh this scale is bulletproof and also arbitrary <laughs> at the same time. I don't get it. Uh, here, we can make up some points here. How many rampage points would you give the creature in this movie? How much damage did they do? How many bodies did they rack up? Oh, I'll, I'll give I'll give her a high, pretty high score. Like I'll give I'll give her an eight because um, there are a number of bodies. It is relentless. Uh, there are a couple of times. You know, when you think that this monster is pretty powerful, there are a couple of times that I I kind of question, like, ooh, did they not really define how powerful she really is? Because, you know, there are two survivors of an actual attack because, ooh, Sigurd is running up the stairs. Uh, ooh, I, I guess that was enough to chase her away. And there's one very interesting scene where she's chasing uh, the teacher, the very young and lovely teacher. And the teacher turns around and the monster notices that she might be caught. So she hides behind the leaves. And I was like, why is she hiding behind the leaves? Just go kill her. (laughs) Right. So, yeah, that will, you know, I would give her a 10 because when she does rampage, it's pretty badass. But those two scenes are like, eh, you lose some points there, Lorelai. Mm -hmm. I'll echo that real quick, uh, Adam. I almost called you Aaron for some reason. Uh, 21 episodes in. I almost <laughs> called you the wrong name. Um, I'm giving it an 8 as well. Um, there, a lot of like windows breaking and stuff. There's some damage done. It's not Godzilla, but um, the murders are pretty brutal, so that's enough to give me an 8. And there's a pretty big body count for this movie being only 85 minutes long. Right. Uh, I'm actually I'm going to have to give it a 4 because uh, I don't want to outweigh the scale too much right now. Um, she does devastate some bodies for sure, but I think for the most part, there's even some bodies I think she only really creates that hole in the chest. 
Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that would be really tough to do, Adam. I think we need to, to give credit for, for getting through like the flesh and the muscle and the sternum. And <laughs> well, I mean, if there was a question for how uh, artistic is the monster, I would definitely rank it pretty high. Yeah, this is also not a body count category, but I'm choosing to give it an eight simply on the fact that when I thought of creature features, I didn't think of a movie like that that would be this brutal and like have this many murders in it. So, it, it, you know, it, I'm shifting the scale a little bit there. So I'm sticking by my eight. Okay. Uh, Miguel, final category. It's a bonus category. How big or scary is the monster in this film? You know, this is where I have to... Uh, uh, I'm sticking with my 10 for the first category because of all the reasons I gave. But I have to say, I did pad that that score because of the reasons I gave by giving her a 10 in being cool because let's be honest I mean the rubber hand as much as I love it and the head as much as I love it I don't think the silliness of the rubber suit is a detraction at all it, it for me that is part of the charm and why I love this film so much totally but it does detract from big slash scary so uh, I, I'll give her a four okay bonus points or bonus points yeah, Adam. Uh, uh, yeah, I'll give her a, a four. Also, I think uh, you know, partially she is human, and uh, what's scarier than that? Yeah, and not not only that, Adam, but what what else is she? Uh, beautiful. Yeah, we're terrified <laughs> of that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Let, let's let's on that note let's not forget that when she perishes and her soul goes to valhalla on a solarized horse mm. uh her body turns into a skeleton but her perfect red eurocentric hair <laughs> is untouched <laughs> i'm uh I, i'm going with the scary part of this scale i'm, I'm giving i'm giving her a seven i think like when that hooded reptile rolls in I'm scared. It's kind of scary, and the characters are scared too. And the damage that she does sets the stakes. And that opening scene that that is a, is a, it's a cold open, is it not? Um, of yeah. The murder is intense and sets. The, I think that's so important for a creature feature to just set the stakes right there. I thought it was intense. I'm giving it a seven. Nice. Um, so Miguel, that means that you've given the film out of a possible fifty points thirty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adam, you've given it a twenty seven. And I have given it a 34. I didn't know I'd be the most generous of the three of us. But um, might have to double check that number later. But that gives it a total of 92, which is, uh, you know, just a little bit below the creature from the Black Lagoon. So I think a pretty good showing here for the Lower Rise Grasp. Yeah. Yeah. I think that uh, anyone who... uh who is a huge creature from Black Lagoon fan will be aghast. <laughs> but, but I appreciate it. Yeah, I, we, I we think... were we were scared when you sent us the title. We were like, "What is this? What is this?" And I, I had I had a I had a blast with it. And yeah. um, well, I, I think it'll win some awards in our outro episode. So unfortunately, Miguel, you'll have to leave me a couple of voicemails on my phone. That's fine. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Thank you, Miguel, for bringing this on. I think this is probably one of my favorite things about this podcast is is bringing on a guest who who has a movie that I have never even heard of you know and i get to experience for the first time and that's such a blast oh i i have many more where this came from if you ever uh, <laughs> want to do this again again if you ever have a uh a, a a category or a series on spy james bond ripoffs i've got hundreds of those from all countries awesome. uh comic book uh adaptations from various countries got hundreds of those so 
There's no end. And we touched on spoilers just very quickly there where we were like, oh, we're spoiling this movie. But if I hadn't seen this movie and I listened to this podcast and heard what we were saying, I'd be like, I have to watch this movie. Like, I feel like we're mm-hmm. like doing our due diligence to kind of mm-hmm. sell it here. But um, uh, real quick, the Miguel Rodriguez Award for what? What are we giving away in our uh, Silver Ghosties outro episode to Creature Features? Well, you know, it's funny because, like, the award that I would like to come up with for Creature Features is the one that we gave this particular film the lowest score on, and that is Real World Allegory. Mm. I like that. The Miguel Rodriguez uh, Award for Real World Allegory. My my favorite film of all time is Gojira, the uh, Japanese 1954 original, and uh, and the Real World Allegory is the reason I love that film so much. So that that was uh, that's my reasoning. That was the inspiration for the uh, question on our scale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that that was kind of a big deal. Is that a lot of creature features treat their uh, sympathetic. Uh, characters that were made not by their own choice you know they're sympathetic yeah. and they're an allegory sometimes for some stuff but uh that's a great award and uh, if anyone brings on gojira that kind of is a slam dunk to win that one um <laughs> and before you get out of here miguel is there anything that you would like to plug hey everyone it's your favorite host adam here just stepping in uh unfortunately miguel's uh promo timed out so in its stead we are promoting Horrible Imaginings Film Festival. You may have heard him talk about this already. As you can probably tell already, it's run by very cool, very knowledgeable people, Miguel being the founder and director. It usually happens around every fall, and this year, if able, it'll be held indoors at the Frida Cinema in Santa Ana, California. So keep your eyes peeled. You can find them at hifilmfest.com or on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at hifilmfest.com. Dates TBA, but stay tuned because spooky things are coming. That was awesome. Yeah. Um. So, so like, just know so much about movies is so it's so crazy. <laughs> yeah. uh, let's let's finish up here. Um, Adam, do you have any plugs that you want to say? Um, just follow me on Instagram at Projector Fuel. I post the movies I'm watching. Uh, by the way, for the special 420, I'm going to be watching Mank. <laughs> Getting your Mank on on 420. Yeah. What's more oh, dank man. than Mank? <laughs> Dang, dude. Just get friggin' blasted and watch David Fincher's most adult contemporary film. <laughs> That's right. Um, and also, uh, check out my website, uh, Adam J.C. Wagner, uh, where I post all the stuff that I make. Oh, man. The gubernatorial race of 1934, man. <laughs> uh, you don't get that reference because yeah, is this your first time seeing it? Yeah, I haven't seen it yet. So, oh, uh, okay. I, I thought it'd be way funnier if you were rewatching Mank, <laughs> uh, a movie that spoiler alert I don't intend to maybe ever rewatch. Interesting. Okay. Yeah, but let me know what you think of it. Uh, my plugs, as always, letterboxed at Captain Dills, my personal at Trevor Dills on Instagram and Twitter, and as always, follow us at Ghost Party Picks on all other socials. Uh, please review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and smash that follow button on Spotify. Adam, I got an email the other day. This is like it was from. You never get like an email where it's from like a phone number, and you're like, "Why is this email from like a phone number? Like, doesn't say their name or anything." There was no subject line, but the email just said, "Hey, I heard that you guys are on Google Podcasts." Is that true? <laughs> yeah, that was. Uh, that's true. Um, I don't know who that's from, but you know, I, I can't add more than that great anecdote. We're on Google Podcasts. Please follow us there. Yeah, it's weird. These people just want to know if we're on Google Podcasts, but we are. Um, this was a fun episode. Uh, if you have not seen The Lower Lies Grasp, 
um, we were sent a link to watch it by Miguel, and I was like, what is this movie? And, like, five minutes into it, I was like, oh, this is, like, fun. And, you know, and so if you can track it down, watch it. It's a blast. If not, maybe stay tuned, follow at Trevor Dills, and maybe I'll – I'll program it sometime and we can all watch it and have a, have a blast. Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, I just, uh, I just really enjoyed this movie also. I think uh, overall it is enjoyable. Rad and uh, a great guest. Thanks again to Miguel for coming on the show. And uh, thank you for listening to ghost party radio. Adam, we have officially grasped the Laurel. Perfect. Bye. Bye. Mm, that's a 10.